Today, we're going to be talking about that fork in the road, that moment when the pharmacy student has to make the decision where to go after this, this big quote, because this could really be anything. Where to go after the third year before you start your appy rotations? Where do you go after appy rotations are completed? after residency, but we're really focusing on that pharmacy student today and having to make that tough decision. It's funny that you just, you can't know what would happen. And I bet you would never thought that you would be what you're, where you are now, right? Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Hey Friends, We Got This podcast, where we share our thoughts on the pharmacy profession, experiences as healthcare providers, and explore our identities as two women of color going after it all. As we share our stories, we hope you laugh, maybe cry, and feel inspired as you get to know us, because at the end of the day, we got this. We got this. Yes, we do. Um, good morning, or I guess wherever you're listening to this episode. Uh, my name is Boo. Hi, everybody. This is Sally. And we are the host of the Hey Friends RX or Hey RX Friends. We got this podcast. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. Well, I'm super excited to get to film with you again, Sally. I can't believe the other day I texted you and I'm like, okay, let's get episode three going. Let's promote this. And I I, I just can't believe that we're already filming episode five. Insane. It doesn't feel completely insane. Real. It doesn't feel real, right? (laughs) I know. Like I, I still feel like I don't, I just feel like every time we put out a new episode and we promote it, I'm like, oh, this is like legit. Like people are actually listening to this. Like we're putting stuff out that you know, matters to people and they're yeah. actually listening to us. Like it doesn't feel, yeah, real. real. <laughs> it's like you try to figure out if there is like a better descriptive adjective for what you feel, but yeah. it really is just as simple as it's surreal that people are watching, people are responding and we cannot thank you enough. I almost feel like thank you is insufficient for how we feel about the response and what it's been so far. Um, You're here right now. You're, you're, you're still here. And, you know, if you haven't hit the notification button yet, do that. If you haven't liked it yet, like it, comment, we we read it, we read it all. And Mm -hmm. we want to engage with all of you. And I think, um, you know, we're just, like we are legit just like following our hearts with like we should do something and doing it and to be here in the response that we're having so far um yeah we don't take it for granted (laughs) well first of all you know our community is still small but it's growing which makes me so happy but I was you know like one of those shower thoughts last night I'm just (laughs) thinking like it's so amazing that we have even reached like one or two people people and yes. the fact that they took the time to listen to our episodes, which can be hour long. Yeah. It's just like there's something about the creator side in me that just feels so much gratitude. You know, you yes. like, I think I've gone from creating as a hobby <clears throat> to creating as an actual, like, I want to make an impact. Yeah. And 
in order to do that, you have to reach people. And the fact that we've already reached, a, you know, even one or two for me means so much more than I could ever imagine. So I guess we're just feeling all sorts of gratitude, all sorts of happiness for this right now. <laughs> we are. It's very, very different, but in a very good way, different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, to you know, like, cause like what you're saying, I, I've never called myself a creative. I always tell people like, I'm just an ideas person. So I need people. Like, I have a lot of ideas, but I need people that are visionaries that can bring those ideas to life. And I think that's why this is working because you're never saying no to anything insane. I'm talking about, you're just kind of like, Oh wait, I can see that. I'm like, wait, you can. <laughs> oh wait, like that's, insane in my head as the person who's thinking of it but I know that she's super creative and she's like oh yeah I can see that and I'm like this validation I can't pay for this well here's the thing to anybody who wants to work with us in the future is that we are big (laughs) ideas big dreamers big creation so don't expect anything less from us if you ever work with us but um all right well I'm excited to start our fifth episode today we are going to (laughs) so today we're going to be reflecting on um our journey to the beginning of our career so from episode one where you get to meet us and know who we are and then episode two was all about pharmacy school for us which is such a fun episode I I highly recommend you watch it because we go all the way back um But this one really talks about how do we decide where to go, which I'll be honest with you all. Right before we filmed this, I was telling Sally, I don't know (laughs) what to say. I have no idea, you know, but we all know that's a lie because, you know, I'm going to (laughs) be filling all the teas. Yes, you are. You are. That's why I was just Um, like, I'm not worried about I'm not worried about that, too. It's going to be just fine. (laughs) What am I talking about? Um, Okay. So. Uh, So yes, today we're going to be talking about that fork in the road, that moment when the pharmacy student has to make the decision where to go, mm-hmm. you know, after this, this big quote, because this could really be anything, where to go after the third year before you start your appy rotations, where do you go after appy rotations are completed, after residency, after yeah. even more and more and more, and of course we'll we'll touch on all of these things, um, you know, in other episodes, but we're really focusing on that pharmacy student today and having to make that tough decision. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, it's really, it could be overwhelming for some people. And I think in all the work that I do with students, I have seen so many variations of this moment. There's mm. the, yeah, like there are the student pharmacists that I almost feel like I'm looking in the mirror, like they know it's their P1 year and they're certain it's residency. Like this is, that's the route. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get mentored by this person because I want to do exactly what they're doing. Like it is super, it is like crystal clear. And when I check in with them three, four years later, that's still the path, right? That's what it was for me. My path didn't really change much from P1 year. Interesting. Um, And then there are the other students that just want a little bit of everything. Like they want to experience all of it. And now they feel like they're running out of time because they're like, I still, I want to know everything and do everything. I still just don't know what to do. 
And so our, I think our goal this episode is to, first of all, talk about like what the process was like for each of us um, and then give you some advice and give you some guidance based on what we've both seen. Like Thu's been residency preceptor. I've been residency preceptor for a good bit of the time that we've been um, practicing. And I'm sure that we've both interviewed uh, different types of residency candidates and how different people come to the decision. So that's the goal today. And I'm excited to get started on it. And Thu, yeah. what well, was my like? experience, I also <laughs> want to mention too, that we do want to also give advice to the students who did have to make a switch that yes. was unex- unexpected and which is something that I, I kind of went through. So oh, tell us, okay, start there. I know let's, let's start. But before we start, if you like watching on YouTube, <laughs> please um, like the video, subscribe and write your comments below let us know what type of topics you want us to touch on in the future because guess what? We can't read your mind. So you got to let us know. We're not that good. <laughs> um, and if you're listening to us, please rate and write a review. Um, let the people know why we are the best companion when you are walking your dog or doing your dishes or having to clean the bathroom, which is literally my least favorite thing in the world. So definitely all those all the above not just one but all the above all of the above all right this is already this is already ramping up we're ramping up so (laughs) sally why don't you start how did you so it sounded to me like you kind of already knew exactly what you wanted to do which first of all how do you find the conviction like how do you how do you know that was the right path for you yeah um modeling I think it's why I'm super modeling like fashion model (laughs) that's what I was thinking (laughs) not Naomi Campbell model that's not the modeling we're talking about I'm talking about the modeling concept of pharmacy education that I know you're very fully aware of oh that model Mm -hmm. yep I can't um but I was telling you, you know, like being as a working as a pharmacy technician, as long as I did, that's one of the biggest advantage I had. Um, The fact that I really saw pharmacists do their thing. I saw pharmacists go to different lengths. I saw pharmacists of different training levels. And it just was so consistent with the folks that were residency trained and how they approached patient care and how they wanted to provide patient care. That's the level I wanted to be on. And seeing that really, really early before I'd even applied to pharmacy school, I think really helped me once I got there. And, you know, some of my mentors, they encouraged me to stay open. They encouraged me to explore. They, they, you know, they talked to me about this forecast, the season we're in now where, there's so many things that a pharmacist can be. And they wanted me to stay open to all of those different possibilities. Uh, But I just kept finding myself coming back to this idea of being this person that other people on my team relied on to ensure safety and the person that would get to know the patient in a really unique way. But I think I have to credit that early, early modeling for me as a pharmacy technician 
it made all the difference in how I approached pharmacy school. So do you did were you able to keep your mind open though, even though you had a very clear path for you in your in your brain? Yeah. I did because I think once the opportunity was there to do like uh organizational management, like because of the leadership roles I was picking up in school, um, I had like some people at school there too that were like president of ACCP at the time was teaching at our school, the incomparable Cynthia Boyle. Um, she was right there on campus and she she like getting close with her and learning more about organizational management almost for a hot second made me think that I could do like a pharmacy organizational management, like executive residency or fellowship. Um, but I think it was always like that patient care component, that patient care component is what constantly kept drawing me back to residency. And um, I'm interested, but it was like, I could support the people who are more passionate about this than me. And mm. that's kind of been the role I've played. Like I want to support the people that have more of a passion for it than me, because my passion was clearly in the other direction with direct patient care. Direct patient care. Yeah. So what was your goal then when you got into pharmacy school? Was it, I'm going to be a clinical pharmacist or were you more specific? Like I'm going to be an a clinical pharmacist in this setting or an ambulatory care clinical pharmacist? Like what was this like vision that you had for yourself? Oh my God. I think that's the part that I've been really proud of myself about that I've stayed open because all of the choices I made have not worked out. Like it, it quite literally hasn't. I decided really, really late that I would try a PGY2 because I fell in love late with the ID didn't get a PGY2, right? And then a job opened up and got there and started falling in love with, well, I started residency at an academic medical center because I was interested in acute care. It was critical care for me. It was going to be critical care or ED. That's where, that's where all of my tech experience was like, that was my comfort zone. That's where I was going to get better. Um, but then ended up falling in love with transitions of care through a refugee resettlement clinic. <laughs> it was like, I, I found myself like learning more about all these different things after being closed-minded and was like, this is what I want. That's what I'm going to do. So my residency year really was a year of just getting exposed to so many different things, uh, a rotation in a bone marrow transplant unit and seeing that pharmacist in the capacity in which he was like functioning. I was like, oh girl, there is so much more out here to do than being in the ICU because I really like like the independence and the collaborative practice agreement aspect that he's got transitions of care kind of started becoming this new path that then led me to ambulatory care and that work in ambulatory care exposed this horrible truth in healthcare about patient access medication access and population health and lord and behold now I'm doing a fellowship in population health so it's like it's just besides the 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 clarity of I wanted to do a residency and all of the amazing opportunities and doors that's open for me, everything else has kind of just been following opportunities that presented themselves. And I'm on my way to becoming a super non-traditional pharmacist. And I'm like extremely excited about that fact. I, like, I, I think that's funny that you just, you can't 
know what would happen. Yeah. And I bet you would never yeah. thought that you would no. be what you're where you are now, right? There's no way never. that you can predict that. So this no. is what I tell students and residents and anybody who's in that learner phase right now is keep your mind open because you just never know. You don't know. You think you want something. And then when you're there, you're like, oh, actually, I, I don't I don't like it as much as I thought. Yeah. And I don't know if I see a whole future in doing this. And by the way, even if you like something for a while, you could later on realize, okay, I liked it, but I'm done with it now to up to the next thing. So I guess when you think of this fork in the road, like don't put so much pressure on it because guess what? You're going to live like 60 more years. Okay. Yes. Like you can't be this, doing the same thing unless you want to, you can't be expecting to do the same things over and over and over again. So just know that you're going to evolve, that you're going to yes. change and yep. your mindset will also follow where your, your life is taking you. So a hundred percent and be open-minded. It, it's, it's like what Thu is, ta- what Thu is talking about. I don't care if you're a first year or you're three months away from residency application submission. It's the realest advice you're ever going to get in this profession because the opportunities for pharmacists continue to be different. Like it's just growing and growing and growing and pharmacy doesn't have the same face and image it used to have like 30, 40 years ago. So to me, that openness that through is like really, really encouraging all of you to, to, to have it's imperative. I would say to your survival in this profession, because even your traditional am care position in three years could look completely different. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. I mean, just the fact that Sally and I have only been uh, in pharmacy for 10 years, right? We've already seen so much that's changed. So let's talk a little bit about that because this is one of the reasons why I did want to branch out of this profession. I wanted to see what else was out there and breaking out of that traditional path because Things change so fast in healthcare, and so then it affects pharmacy. So if you look at an example that I always think about, because it's just something that like just blows my mind when I think about it, <laughs> is warfarin clinics. Oh my god! We gosh. used to have clinics, just pharmacy, cl- pharmacy-run clinics, nice. just managing warfarin for the most part. Yeah, managing the INR levels you know, ordering the medications, helping out with the bridging and perioperative management, all of this stuff. And then when the new anticoagulants, the direct oral anticoagulants came out, um, pharmacists, first of all, I don't think that we understood how that was going to make an impact in this profession. And I think for a while it was like, no, we're going to use warfarin because the DOACs, they're expensive. You can't reverse them. You can't monitor for them. All the whole list, the the list goes on and on and on. And as a student and as a new practitioner, when these new medications were just coming out, they're not new anymore. You're just kind (laughs) of like still, yeah, you're just still like, oh, it's warfarin. It's warfarin all the way. We're recommending warfarin, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And now you barely see warfarin. And I think that's for the better yes. because warfarin overall has higher risk of bleeding, more difficult to manage. And warfarin should be used in certain populations, but for the most part, it is safer for other people to use the DOAC. So then what happens to those pharmacy anti-coag clinics when, you know, like the warfarin clinics, when warfarin goes away? Yeah. 
now you have to readjust to fit what the landscape looks like. And if you're, if you don't have that mindset to adjust to what's going on in the real world, yes, screwed my friend. Yes, screwed because (laughs) nobody's on Warfront anymore. Uh, I I was in my head. I'm thinking she's going to say, you're going to get left behind. She's like, no, 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 no. I need, I need my message to get across here. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I just, I love it. Completely yeah, I'm not the love most it. politically correct sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> I just, but I love it so much because if, if we are having a real conversation, that's the realest of all. You're screwed, my friend. You are going to have to refigure this whole situation out again. But that is such that is, I don't even know if I have another example that could top that. That is, that is the realest real world example of how innovation just came and like shook the earth that was beneath any pharmacist's foot. Like, cause you, you, the, the people that had the foresight to think down the road, they could see it, but the folks that just wanted to come to work and do their thing every day, Unless someone explicitly came and was like, this is what it's looking like down the road, they would have probably, they no clue. And now, like, of course, same innovation, because that's what pharmacists do. We're problem solvers. You have clinic expanding their services to managing DOACs as well and doing all these different things. But that example right there, hold on to that with both hands, not just one. It's real because <laughs> that's exactly what ended up happening. Um, they were new and then they just became DOACs and they're not new yeah. anymore. We know so much about them, even in some of the complicated patient populations. Like we're always at rounds like, let me do this. Let me handle this for you. I, I got this. Just just put a pharmacy consult and we'll take care of it. Yeah. For you. And I mean, literally pharmacists are also saying like, hey, can we get rid of the warfarin and put patients on a DOAC, please? Yeah. Like yeah. guidelines are all recommending recommending it now so <laughs> anyways enough of that clinical talk though because i know because that's not what we do here no 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 you know what i do like it when we sprinkle a little bit of our clinical knowledge though because what's the point of having all this experience that we don't just, just a little bit like the dash. dash yeah um but anyways do, what are we talking about <laughs> i'm curious i want to know yeah. for you yeah. Like what what was because we we all learned the decision for pharmacy school. It was kind of like your parents came in and said, Hey, dude, this is we think this is logical. Pharmacy is gonna be the move. And then they helped you out even further and said, Look, girl, you're at the University of Arizona. This is the pharmacy school to go after. So up until this point, we have P4 through where the path has been laid before her. And now How does the choice, decision, conversation to pursue residency, like how does that get started? Oh, man. Well, I think at the University of Arizona, they are very, um, they are a huge research facility. And so because of that, there is a lot of push to do residency um, Mm -hmm. and to go into that clinical route. So I've I've always known about residency since the beginning and um as I was kind of reflecting back on my experience, the University of Arizona has this giant like PGY-1 program, I think like 12 people or something, just a big 
group of people um, in that residency. So some of them will come and teach some of our classes. And I remember feeling like, wow, they're so cool. Like they're like celebrities or something. Like it's so lame. I swear. I think I like, (laughs) I think I met somebody who did, you know, their residency um, at the facility and as as adult, like I'm a pharmacist and I, I'm seeing this person who I was, I recognize him as one of the old residents, you know, and I was like, yeah. wow, I, I know you. <laughs> I just love how we fangirl. I mean, I fangirl when I see certain people, I don't care. It's going to be that way forever, but that's okay. Cause it's so funny. It takes you back to P4 through. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> so I had always thought that I was going to be in ambulatory care, actually. Um, I've always thought that I was going to be in the clinic and I was going to do this education for patients and I was going to help them, you know, get better and feel better and like motivate them to do well, you know? And um, as I was going through rotations and I I had gotten this internship at um, medication management therapy, which we did a lot of just like MTM kind of calls. Um, cold calls to patients and we would have scripts and we would just kind of like go off of those scripts and then we would forward the call to a pharmacist if the conversation got complicated or something like that or if the pharmacist needed to talk to the patient um so i that was a lot of ambulatory care that was a lot of you know uh patient education and and things like that and i i just never really got the best feedback from the preceptors that i worked with you know like I, and I almost got fired actually from that job. So we could go back (laughs) on another episode, (laughs) but it just, you know, when I was in ambulatory care, that setting for some reason just didn't fit with me. It just didn't suit me where I was performing at my best. And that could have been because I was really shy still. I was really new at, you know, like rotations and things like that. So I didn't know how to act and how to ask for help. And I didn't really know what the right way is to like approach a preceptor. So I think I was just really brand new at all of that. So then when I was applying to residency, I was still like, I want to do ambulatory care. So I was applying all these ambulatory care residency programs and I didn't match. I didn't match at all. I had to scramble. And at the time when I was scrambling for PGY1, I was doing an acute care rotation and not just any acute care, but it was critical care. Uh And it was not just any (laughs) critical care. It was apparently this rotation where all of my friends and colleagues were like, okay, the preceptor is really tough. Like, you know, like they were were like warning me about the rotation basically. And guess what? I came on that rotation and just like loved it. Like it, I was like, what is this? Because let me tell you something. <clears throat> this is why I say keep your minds open because mm. I always didn't, I just didn't think that acute care was something that I could do well because, you know, in an acute care setting, you have to think on your feet. You have to deal with very stressful environment. You have yeah. to deal with patients who are just really sick. And I always thought that like I did better with more of that chronic management. Yeah. Um, but when I was in acute care, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. We get to see labs like from every day. Yes. I get to see like if I make a recommendation today, I can see the results tomorrow. Like, yes, sometimes, I need this. Yeah, sometimes labs is like every four hours. Oh my God, we're spoiled <laughs> here. <laughs> yes. And even like, 
<laughs> even on top of that, the medications that we get to use, the antibiotics that we yeah. used and how you see, like we start antibiotics on day one, day two, white counts are going down, yeah. no more fever. You yeah. see this improvement in somebody's life and you're like, yeah. this is amazing. It's like, it's like, I don't know what it is, but just you feel yeah. like the magic of medicine, I guess, in a way, you know, because you don't get to see that in a chronic situation where you see them like once a month, even if, you know, if they show up, their lives may not change because they haven't done anything <laughs> to change their life. And so for me, I guess I am someone that needs that like constant validation, I guess, you know, that reward that like I did something and I see results and I did something and I see results. I think that's just kind of me. Whereas yeah. I think somebody who does Amcare, they love the experience getting to hold that person's hand throughout their lives. Uh-huh. I'm not about that. I no, want to see changes. I, I, no, I want to see blood I, pressure go down today. <laughs> that's that. That's like that's like my jam. That's like what you're speaking to my jam. Oh, you mean like I get to invest and then reap the benefits in three months? Hopefully, if they were listening to me. Hopefully, if they did everything I told them to do. Hopefully, if the endocrinologist did it exactly as I instructed them to do. Hopefully, I get something. <gasps> Oh my God. Like you should see how I celebrate like decimal point decreases in hemoglobin A1C decimal points through. It's like, that could uh... be like a lab error that could have nothing to do with all the work I've put in, but I celebrate it. But like that, it's so funny, it's so funny. but, but we still, it. but we still feel this yeah. fulfilling, yeah. you know, feeling yes um when when we are making when we are reaching our goals and our job yeah. it's like and not only that but you get to see people doing better feeling better it's like the reward itself you can't get from anywhere else you know i agree. I, I just feel s this sense of like i don't know just joy and contentment I when i do <laughs> see somebody like walking out of that hospital bed and we're like hope to never see you again sir you know and it's like it's like that that's just that magnificent feeling but in general though acute care can be even beyond just the acute disease states um you know when we see oncology patients come in and we're helping them manage their pain we're reducing suffering and then um you're then you're talking about palliative care and then geriatric medicine which is also i did my pgy2 in geriatric uh, medicine and geriatric was something that I never ever thought I would even dabble in or liked or anything yeah. like that. No I, way! I was kind of like, I I was exposed to geriatric medicine twice in my appy rotations, and the first one was at a VA in Tucson, and they did the home based primary care okay. um, rotation, and that was probably one of the best experiences I've ever had. Oh, wow. Just going to patients' home and seeing the nurse practitioner take care of a patient, seeing, you know, the dietitian take care of a patient and everybody on the team. And then the pharmacist get to step in and make all these recommendations. I was like, whoa, this is so cool because in geriatric medicine, it's this holistic care of this is yes. patient's end of life now. Yes. And your your view of seeing somebody is not the same as of someone who was younger. Now you're like, we want you to we want you to feel um, 
what's the word it's, like it's quality of life at that quality point. of life yeah yes. it's quality of life that you don't often see in medicine a lot of times doctors just want to treat 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 but when it comes to geriatric medicine it's like we want to make sure that you die with dignity we want to make sure that you die the way that you want to die you know just like things that you the autonomy that you give a patient they get to make decisions about their life that's freaking amazing as well you're removing a lot of medications because they don't need it anymore I mean it's just it's such a beautiful um field in medicine that I was like oh my gosh and then later on when I was in that critical care rotation I got to meet the PGY2 in geriatric uh, medicine at Midwestern University and that was the PGY2 that I ended up applying to so lots of just things that was exposed to me that I was like, this is something that I really like, but I didn't, I didn't know that that's what yeah. I liked until I yeah. was actually in it. So, yeah. And because, so you see, and I think what's super, sorry, I think what's super fascinating to me about like your journey and everything you just laid out, this was different from your parents saying, Hey, do you do this? Like I'm, I'm still listening. And I was listening to your story to find out how much external feedback did you get to really influence the direction you ended up taking once you got to that stage? And I am so happy to hear you talk about how it was just the things I experienced, the things I saw and the way I felt and the way I was feeling with what I was accomplishing, because that's the magic. Like that's the recipe to it turning out to be a career of very, very little regret because it's really driven by like your passion and the things you're interested about, right? And like, if you're hearing us right now, <laughs> that's what I want you to hold on to. I don't want you to like be making these decisions based on the, there's going to be all this money there. There's going to be all this, like all these different things that you can find in other ways. But I truly believe that like once you let your passion kind of guide your decision making, you end up in a place where it's very difficult to feel regret about the outcome. And yeah, I hear you talking about Amcare Pharmacist and I'm like, I don't know why she's saying that like it's a negative. That's what we love. That's what we love. Like, that's what makes us go every day. Like we love talking about the success of the tomatoes in their garden this season. Like we can, we bond and have it's like you're in the ICU titrating drips oh my god Sally if you could just hear the inpatient pharmacist being like oh man we have to go talk to a patient about this man man, yeah fine (laughs) inpatient people they have zero interest in like speaking with patients and all this me it's like someone needs to go talk to the patient about x y and z we need to understand I'll do it I'll go I'm happy to go you you and I both have transition of care um in common like our our passion and transition of care yeah, yeah. yeah and as an inpatient pharmacist I did um I also got exposed a little bit to transition of care as a student but then really practiced it in PGY1 PGY2 and then in my work so yeah. um that's another field of pharmacy yeah. that I've always just really loved so like I guess Sally like Okay, going back to if you're a student and you're like, well, I love everything. Like, I love this and I love this and I love everything. Like, yes. I guess what should people's first steps be, right? Like, yeah. that's what they're here to to get the advice for. Uh, yeah, I think for me, whether 
it's why when I was applying to residency, I looked for places that really had like variety. I, I was looking for a place that would expose me to a lot of everything. If a hospital had really limited electives for me to choose from, I really didn't put that on my list. I really wanted a place where they, like if I wanted to go to an affiliate hospital to learn about, I don't know, HIV in women, that would be available to me. Like I got to residency and did a rotation with um, an oncology and saw the hemolytic malignancy side. And a lot of those patients, some of them went to the bone marrow transplant unit. I was like, well, this feels like an incomplete experience. I want to see what happens on the other side with the bone marrow transplant. And they were able to just switch my schedule and put me there so I can experience that. I'm incredibly grateful for that opportunity that there were so many different things like rotating at the refugee reach settlement clinic, going to a homeless shelter for both men and women. And I think a lot of the skills I picked up and my ability to really speak to people regardless of their social economics and circumstances came from that year because I was exposed to so many things. But the first step for me, I think for anyone is find out what you are passionate about. And the students I work with, they get annoyed because your why statement, I make you draft one for me. I want to know why we are going to spend two months working on a why statement and they get so annoyed. They're like, I'm here to get my CV and my letter of intent. Like, why are we so fixated on this? And I'm, I always tell them because I need to see and understand that residency is really real. Like you understand that this is really the path forward. And we are, we're calling it a fork in a road. It sounds dramatic, but it really is because some of the choices you make at this point is going to set you on a course for a little while. I'm proof that you can always pivot. I've just pivoted after how many years and I'm, I would do it again 10 million times because all of the things I'm learning now, I didn't learn any of it during residency, grant proposals and grant writing and going to all these quality improvement meetings to learn about reimbursement. Like that wasn't part of my residency curriculum. I'm learning new skill set. Pivoting is always going to be available to you. But I think like at this point, it is a fork in a road and it starts with your passion. Ooh, I'm going to ask you a very interesting question. Go ahead. What, what do you think was the most difficult part of applying for residency? What was, what was the thing you struggled or tussled with? It could have been both emotional and with the process itself, what gave you the most hard time? Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, what gave me the hardest time? Or maybe you were exceptional and didn't really have any struggles. <laughs> no, I, I definitely <laughs> struggled. <laughs> see that too. I think that, see, the thing is like the struggles that I have are, are because of me really. Mm. Um, you know, most people stand in their own way. And I think that was me a hundred percent. I just didn't really know how to ask for help. Yeah. And I was really scared to ask for help because I didn't want to look like an idiot. Mm. So I 
my struggle was like years in the making where I should have developed better mentorship and relationship with my preceptors and my professors and the students that were, you know, that had gone before me and even classmates too. But I think the biggest struggle was just trying to do it and figure it out on my own, which is something that I I did all throughout, you know, undergrad and then pharmacy school and then and then thought I could handle this myself. Yeah. Which was probably the biggest mistake that I ever made because like how could I have known how to do yeah. something if I haven't done it, done you know? Before. Yeah. And I and the, the the other thing is I I did ask a friend to help me, but she was not in pharmacy, but I felt comfortable going to her because I've been able to be vulnerable with her before. So then I was like, hey, could you look at this letter of recommendation or this letter of intent? Could you look at my CV? But she's not in pharmacy. So how could she have helped me? You know, so I think that was the biggest struggle for me. Um, and so then at the same time, during the interview process, I struggled a little bit, too, during that because I didn't run a lot of my answers with a lot of people, you yeah. know, my interview answers. I, yeah. I ran them through. I practiced on my own. I ran them through with a friend of mine. But again, I should have ran it through with more people who had more experience and things mm-hmm. like that. I just mm-hmm. felt this really weird thing about asking for help at the yeah. time. Yeah. I don't know why, um, but it is something that, you know, if you are, if you notice that in yourself, mm-hmm. just try to like overcome that fear because it does not benefit you at all like take that first step it's uncomfortable it feels like embarrassing sometimes yeah but it's gonna save you so much stress later on and it's gonna just make that that whole process so much easier because I think part of my fear was like what if I come to somebody and they basically just tell me like I can't do it or like you've you've been doing this wrong the whole time scratch everything redo everything like there was just so much fear around yeah. all of that. And it was just a necessary turmoil that I had put on myself. So yeah, yeah that was, oh. that's probably my biggest struggle. I'm so sorry that Resi Prep wasn't around when you were going. <laughs> I know I would have been like, Sally. That was just a shameless plug there. Shameless, completely shameless. And I admit it, but. Um... Well, but the thing is, I think we talked about this in your, your other podcast, yeah. another shameless plug, yeah. but um. <laughs> It was our first episode ever together, but it was about my my uh, residency journey of how I didn't match the first time and how I did have all that issue with, you know, asking for help and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, being able to feel safe yes. to come and ask for someone for, for this kind of advice for help. Yes. Like, Sally, I think you have that personality where people do feel safe. I just didn't yeah. feel safe, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. Like, resi prep is available and people come to you and they get results from you because they feel safe. Like they, they're like, fine, Sally's making me write this, this thing about my whys, but I'll do it because she tells me to, but that's because they trust you, man. (laughs) Oh, but like, as you're talking and I was just like, yeah, that's, it's, it's what I work hard to try to accomplish with each person, right? Like it's, this is a judgment-free zone, but I need to know you to help you type thing, right? But all of what you're talking about is so much here through like effective mentorship. People think that it's just a question of people need to know that it's available and they'll get it. It's not that simple. 
like your proof that it's not that simple. It's like you, you, you probably had several people on campus and or people that had graduated before you that would have loved to mentor you, whether they made themselves available or not. But there's a whole process of like what you're saying, feeling comfortable and confident and vulnerable enough to ask a person to guide you through a process. It's a real thing. And it's why I tell students like you guys are looking for mentors, but mentors are looking for you too. <laughs> it's like, they are looking for you. They want to invest in other people and teach other people what they did wrong. Uh, but back to like my question of what I was the scariest for me. I was the most unconfident applicant ever. It's like, it's surreal. <laughs> I thought that. Wait, wait, wait. You were unconfident? You didn't it, feel confident? I had zero confidence in my packet. Like I, I just thought, I think it was just like preparing myself for like, if the rejection started coming, I wouldn't just have like a complete meltdown. Like, hold on, wait, wait, wait. wait. Okay, let's let's look at let's let's reflect on your career in pharmacy school. So, you were APHA president. You like were elected to do all these things. You it's had six rational. years of. I didn't say that there was any ration. There's there's zero rationality to the way I was thinking because everyone I would say to is like, I just. I just really don't think I'm going to match. Like, I just really don't. They'll be like, okay, when people like you don't match, the system is broken. And I would just think like, why would anyone think that? Like, why were, it was kind of like, I, I didn't see what they were seeing. And that insecurity, like that insecurity followed me a little into residency because it was just like, I just kept feeling super lucky and super privileged to be there instead of just being like, girl, do what you do. Like, show them what you do. Like, you don't you don't go anywhere and just fit in and and just get through. Like when you go places. They know that you're there like you. Do what you do. Oh, my and gosh. I, I love just that. Good at, but it. It just goes to like, and it's what I tell people, like the process, it reveals these things about you that you, you've been carrying, but you don't know, like you, you don't know you've been carrying it, but there it's all these things that have lived under the surface for a really long time. And because of how high the stakes are now, you're like, oh my God, I work hard, but I don't think that highly of myself at all. Oh my and, gosh, and, do you think that you you worked hard because you feel like you have to compensate? Do you think I did? I did. Yeah. Oh, I that did. breaks my heart. Yeah. We, we could have a whole podcast about that because it, imposter syndrome, like imposter syndrome. And I <laughs> hey guys, if you're listening, we're really sorry, but we're not gonna give it away on this episode. We're we're going to focus on this episode on the fact that there's decision making season coming up. And we advise you to follow your passion in helping you make the decision. But the conversation about how you pause and do some data collection about yourself so that imposter phenomenon, I don't know what other special title it is out there. 
it doesn't completely just cripple you. Um, we're happy to talk about that in depth, just not on this episode. Yeah, guys, that would take three hours and we don't have that kind of time. <laughs> I have to edit this, by the way, so yeah. it, can't be... it can't be too long. Um, but what are your last minute thoughts? For your My last for the, minute thoughts? Your last well, minute thoughts for the P4 that that's still in limbo. Listen, if you're in limbo, I would recommend that you get yourself a mentor. Yeah. You start surrounding yourself with that community that can help you make those choices. Um, and they're not going to be right choices or right decisions. They're just going to be stepping stones for yeah. the future. So yeah. even if you do a residency and I ended up doing a residency at a PGY1 program that didn't have all of the cool tertiary experiences that Sally had, but I still use that uh, yeah. to my advantage of getting the lessons that I needed and then use those lessons to get the job and then get another yes. job and yeah. move forward. So maybe you won't end up where Sally ended up. Maybe you won't end up where I ended up, but just know that like whatever place you do end up, you're going to continue to get those lessons. I say this before, but it doesn't matter what happens. It matters what you do with the outcome. Oh my so gosh. let's say you don't match, for example, how do you pick yourself up from that and move forward and still get the career that you want? Let's say yeah. you don't even want to do a residency. How do you then go into a career and be fulfilled and yeah. be happy? You know, everybody's life, like all the choices that we make are different because we are who we are. We can't be all making the same decision. Like I, I don't want to give you like this very specific advice because it may not benefit you to do that, you know? So just know yeah. that like, Whatever decisions you make, it's what you choose to do with the outcome that's going to set you apart from everything else. So yes. um, that's my final thought. Very that, vague, but it's it's not <laughs> just it's not just her final thought. It is the final thought. <laughs> I have zero to add to that because there is nothing more authentic and accurate than what she's saying right there. Things are going to happen. And it's not about what's just happened. It's how you respond and what you get from that. And I have zero to add. That is our final thought today on The Fork in a Road. Well, hopefully you guys enjoyed that episode. Hopefully you learned something from us. Um, yeah. Please comment below. Please send us a message if you have any further questions, if you have any um Anything you want us to clarify on, we would love to do that for you. Uh, but thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If this episode speaks to you and you also think that somebody else may benefit from hearing our stories, please, please share this um, to those people. And don't forget to rate and review the show. This helps us reach more people. The episode is available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Again, it's if you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe. Please leave us a comment. Engage with us. Share with your community and your circle of friends. Um, our handles for the show, for myself, as well as Thu, would be linked below in the box, in the description box below. But until next time, everybody, don't forget... We got this. We got this. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. If you like everything you're hearing on this podcast, 
please check out my other podcast with the Pharmacy Podcast Network. It's called The Road to Match Day. It's the Resi Prep 360 podcast. It's available on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast.